Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. And I want to talk to you today. I, you know, I was thinking to myself when I was sitting down there, I wonder what you were thinking about when you walked here, in here today. When you arrived today, what was on your mind? As you walked in through the doors and you heard them uh, really going off on stage here, what was going through your mind when they were praising? What, was, what were you expecting and what did you come expecting? And also, why is it we have church the way that we do? Why do we have praise and worship, which is, by the way, a dying breed of songs, when it should be, and I'm going to talk about that today, and then we have worship and then we have preaching. Why is it that church goes that way? Well, I want to spend the next couple of weeks and over this series explaining to you some things that maybe you've taken for granted, maybe some things you've not really understood, maybe things you thought were just past part of our tradition. Why do we do these things? And now being much younger than John, but still old enough to share and teach, I want to talk to you today about some of these things because when you understand why, it changes everything. When you understand why, how becomes the next question and then doing it becomes something you don't watch people do, but you do yourself. Because, uh, you know, if, if, if church was just the transference of information, we could be at home and we could be just listening. But because it's about community, because it's about the presence of God, because it's about everything that God wants for your life happening together, we need to understand these things. So I'm gonna to talk to you about that today. You know, there's a woman in the Bible who had a lot of challenges. She was uh, in, in difficulty in her marriage. Uh, her husband didn't love her. And uh, she tried everything. She was stressed out. She tried dieting. She tried, a, tried everything she could to get his attention, wearing the clothes that she thought he would like. Uh, you know, and back in her day, having children was a sign that uh, your husband was pleased with you. And so she started having children. And, uh, but every time she had a child, she would name her child after her problem. So the first son she has, she says, well, I'm gonna name him Reuben because God knows that I'm unloved. And so through her children, she starts to complain and whine and whinge about her problem. She's begging God to help her and so, he, he gives another child and so this time she names him Simeon and she says, I know the Lord isn't, no, no, no Lord sees that my husband isn't attached to me and she names him Simeon. Well, nothing changes, nothing in her life changes because the only currency that changes anything is faith. Begging God, arguing with God, doing deals with God, none of that changes God's mind, faith changes God's mind. And so the third child, she has another child and she says, well, I'm gonna call him Levi. And the reason she called him Levi, she says, because now surely my husband will attach himself to me, but life didn't get any better. It's amazing how many people, I've been talking to someone recently who actually got married to save their relationship. That's amazing. Then I know people who more commonly have a baby to save their relationship. I'm like, what, you wanna have less stress, but you had a baby, you've now got 
10 times more stress and bigger bills and you're hoping to save your marriage. And this is how people think. And, and so this woman had tried everything, but life wasn't getting any better. It was getting worse. And so somewhere in between the two, the third child and the fourth child, she has a revelation. She suddenly gets it. And if you're watching at one of our campuses today down at South or up in the hills or you're in Clare or you're in the city, anywhere that I've forgotten, anywhere else, Indonesia, guess what? God wants you to know somewhere in between her complaining, crying, begging, uh, anger, all those things, she suddenly had a revelation and into the Bible pops a word that had never existed before. But she says, she says, as she is about to give birth to her fourth child, she says, this time I am going to praise the Lord. And so she named him Judah. Do we have those scriptures somewhere here? There we go. Leah conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time, as opposed to every other time, to all the other times, I will, everybody say, Praise the Lord, right? I will praise. This is the first time in the Bible where the word praise comes into play. And the word praise, this Hebrew word, is the word yada. Everybody say yada. Right, that's an Aussie saying, a Hebrew word, so good luck with that, I guess. But yada to the Aussie Hebrew scholar. And so, and what yada means, it means to raise your hands and it means to speak well of people, and in this case, it's we speak well of God, right? It also means to cast down your care. So she says, this time I'm gonna lift my hands, I'm gonna speak well of God, and I am gonna throw away my cares. And something supernatural happens that if you understand this, you'll understand why we sing praise at the beginning and why it shouldn't be a dying form of singing, but an increased version of singing because it's not like pre-dinner drinks at a wedding where the real show happens later. It is the real show and you cannot get to where you want to go without coming through praise. Now, I'm gonna be a little bit over the place today, but there is an order. Now, God has an order. I don't know about you, but if you go onto your Target account, go online to your Amazon account, go online to whatever account you have, how many people have got a username and a password? Put up your hand if you've got a username and a password, right? You're just not allowed into your account without a username or a password. But once you get in, you can do all kinds of stuff, right? If you've got a crypto account, you need your username and password and probably uh, your, your, whatever, I don't know. So I don't have any. But the point is, uh, you have to use a protocol to get access to the good stuff. Well, God's no different. God has made a process, a protocol that He will not let you, you know, the most frustrating thing in the entire world is when I forget my passwords. Is anyone else the same? And you have to go renew password, and you try to do it again, they say, no, you cannot use last three used passwords. Anyone ever been there? You've got to have a rotation of four passwords. Then you buy a, a, an app with a password generator. Well, that's useless as well because I can never remember what the master password to the password operator is. And now we're in real trouble and I can't reset that. So uh, we're in trouble anyway. But you know, there is a process to get to the place. 
And God's the same. You can't just come into God's presence, go, whoa, I'm here. God says, I've got a process that's going to help you unlock everything that I have for you. And it's a very clear, orderly, powerful process. Let's go back to the Old Testament for a moment and I'll, and I'll take you there. Then next week we'll take a, a ride somewhere else. But in the Old Testament, uh, God was so smart that whenever the children of Israel went on their journeys, He had a place, He was orderly. So every tribe had a place where it would park its tents, right? So they'd go along, they'd be marching all day. They'd settle down at night. What they would do is get out the tabernacle of Moses, which is like, just like a big tent, and it had various things inside the big tent and it had one opening, one opening. Everybody say one opening. Okay, one opening. Now at the front of the one opening, I wish I had a picture for you. Someone should Google, uh, uh, this is somewhere. Anyway, uh, there's this one opening and right next to the one opening are all these tents, right? Everybody was in tents and the people that were right next to the opening, guess who the tribe was? The tribe was the tribe of Judah. So God had organised it so that when people came into His presence, they had to walk through praise. And then if you remember Psalm 100, it says, we enter His courts with thanksgiving, we enter His gates with praise. Has you ever heard that Psalm, Psalm 100? David writing, he's describing how the protocol of God would take place. They would walk in, be like they're walking at the front of the building here and they'd walk in through praise. Yay, God, we praise You. They would enter in before they did anything about their sins, before they did anything about that. And at the very end was the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, but they couldn't get to the Holy of Holies unless they came through praise. See, we wanna skip the line and get to the Holy of Holies, but even in the day of grace, God has a process and He says, praise is for you to understand that it unlocks the door to further entrance into the next place where you can get to the place of worshipping me and being able for me to speak to you. And God has chosen praise, praise as the first thing you do. I want you to understand this, where the tents were, uh, what's the word? What do you do with a tent? Set up, where the tents are set up, I was gonna say parked, where the tents were set up, right? Judah had to be on the east. Judah had to face, where's the east? East. Judah had to face the east, why? Because in God's protocols, only praise is worthy to embrace a brand new day that'll never ever happen again. The only thing that has been given authority by God to welcome in the new day is praise. So praise was on the east and that's why in Psalm 118 it says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He's talking through Judah. Now, whenever they would go up to fight, they would say, who shall we send before us? And the answer was always, let's send Judah first. And if Judah went first, praising God, the people behind would win the battle. 
If you don't understand this, you won't get anything about your Christian life. It won't make sense. When you start to get this, it is gonna just blow your mind that praise must be at the front, must go first, must be the thing you do. Otherwise, there is no presence and there is no victory and there is no intimacy and there is no breakthrough because praise has been designed by God as a battering ram against the forces of darkness to clear away like a bulldozer would clear the way so that you can walk in and praise God. Let me take you deeper. The Bible says this. The Bible says to put on the garment of praise For what? For the spirit of heaviness. Let me tell you how it works in real life. Most of us wake up grumpy. Put up your hand if you're a non-grumpy waker-upper. Okay, there's, oh, there's, look, by faith, there's a couple of people there. And the rest are awesome people. I love to live with non-grumpy people because I'm a grumpy person. And one, two of my sons are grumpy. One of them is always happy. And I just love to be around him in the early in the morning, right? Because praise is meant to be the, what's the word? It's meant to be the antidote to your heaviness. Let me explain to you heaviness. You could call it by many things. Who's ever felt heavy in their heart about something? You feel sad about something. You feel depressed. You think about something heavy. Heaviness creates a depression. Put your car on your front lawn and what you'll have behind on the grass is a depression. Depression is a heaviness. I know. I suffered with it many years ago. I know what depression is. Let me tell you something that the Bible very clearly says if you have a depression of any kind, whether it's short term or long term, he says, I want you to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It's not just a bad day, it's a spirit that wants to bring heaviness to you. So, guess what the praise does? Praise reduces heaviness. Praise replaces heaviness. Now I've been sneezing all day for the last couple of days. And guess what? I can either put up with sneezing and have everybody out there in the shops run away because we're so panicky about COVID, right? Watch out for that person. He's got COVID, run away, just sneeze or sniffled or something. Or I can take Zyrtec. I could take Any one of those things, right? The smart people stop sneezing or keep sneezing until they take a Zyrtec. Why? Because Zyrtec is the antidote to sneezing if it's about hay fever or allergies. So why is it that we don't understand that praise is the antidote for all heaviness? So if I feel heavy, there's no point. Let me just say something to you. There is no point, and I'm excited by the way. This is, not, this is meant to be a happy message, by the way. Here's the thing, I wanna help you pray so powerfully and so full of faith and be such a winner. And the only way you can do it is if you understand how God works. Let me give it to you how it works, you ready? So I wake up in the morning, I've got this thing on my mind, this thing on my mind, this thing on my mind creates a depression. If I've had it on my mind for months, it creates a deeper depression, right? Uh, 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 and so on. So. The Bible says that the antidote to that depression, to that heaviness is praise. So what do I do? Whenever I feel heavy, I've got to immediately move into praise. Don't reach for my medication first, reach for my praise first. 
and start to praise God, right? I praise God. And here's, a, here's, the, here's, a, here's gonna be another shocking revelation from the Bible. We've told everybody that we should praise God in all things, but the Bible actually says, not only praise God in all things, praise God for all things. Why would you praise God for all things when what I'm going through is so bad? Well, if I believe that the God who loves me is working all things together for my good, and I believe that's the end result of my life, then I can praise God for the bad thing because who knows what God is doing but setting up and allowing a setup of my victory and my purpose and all the troubles that are going through my life are actually gonna turn into the greatest testimony that my life will ever happen. How can I praise God for it? Because I believe the God that I'm serving actually is gonna turn it all to my good at the end. Why do football supporters stand at the ground last night um, and watch the game? Who was playing last night? It was, the, it was Collingwood versus Sydney I was watching, right? Why were the Sydney supporters particularly standing there, other than being a home game, all that kind of stuff, standing there before their team comes out and starts to praise them? They were praising their team because they expected their team to win. What praise is, is an expectation to win. You don't stand up there and mourn your team, unless you barrack for the crows. <laughs> oh, we're getting real talk now. Right, we're speaking the truth in love, of course. Actually, there's no love with it at all. But the point is this. <laughs> They're not mourning their team, they are praising their team is they expect their team to win. They wouldn't have turned up if they expected their team to lose unless they're just a masochist. Right, you praise your team ahead of time, not just at the end. Well, anyone can go clap, clap, clap at the end. But what about if you go clap, clap, clap at the beginning? That means you have faith in your team to do good things on the field, right? If you don't clap, then you've got cynicism and negativity towards your team. Not really a lot of faith in your team. Which is why I get it, I get it, Crows games are quiet. But the point is, I do remember they were loud, I remember, a couple of decades ago, they were very loud. Anyway, get back to the sermon. Don't lose everybody in the audience. Great to see you online, great to see you in all the campuses. Uh, okay, you're on now, okay, great, fantastic. Um, now, where was I? That's right, putting on the garment of praise Eliminate. So this is how your prayer life should go. You ready? I get up in the morning. Because here's the problem, everybody. Come on. This is the elephant in the room. We might as well shoot the elephant in the room. The truth is most Christians can only pray for five minutes. That's the truth. Do I get a witness anyway? Yes, that's true, right? We just know that's true. Most Christians can only pray five minutes. And here's the problem with most Christians' prayer lives. You ready? Because we come to God with our needs first, all we've done is rehearse how bad our life is. So by the end of our prayer time, we leave more depressed than at the beginning because we've just said out loud how bad our life is. And that's not how God wants us. We're supposed to come in even in the Lord's Prayer. says, hallowed be your name is the first thing you do, right? So you come into God's presence, I'm feeling heavy, 
What does the Bible tell me? Put on the garment of praise with the spirit of heaviness. So I start to praise. God, I praise You for this stupid job. I praise You for this terrible marriage. I praise You for this hopeless football team. I praise You for my kids that are going off the track. I praise You for that husband that won't listen to me. I praise You for that wife that just nags all the time. I praise You for, and it goes on and on. You just begin to praise God. And here's how it works, ready? Dr. Evans, he'll tell you how it works. So you're praising, 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 praising. You're putting on the garment of praise, garment of praise, garment of praise, garment of praise. You didn't mean it at the beginning because you're just doing it by faith. You didn't mean it really, but you're just doing it because the Bible says it. And biggest past that, she said I should try. So I'm praising God, praising God, praising God. And then suddenly... I feel something happen inside of me and I don't feel so sad or mad or bad anymore. What I feel is a little bit better. So I praise God more and suddenly the heaviness gets lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. And here's the trick, you ready? So you're watching for this lightness to come because as soon as the lightness comes, I'm ready to pray. Now I'm ready to pray in faith. Remember, God only answers faith prayers, not any prayers. Faith is the currency of heaven. So I've got to bring faith to my prayer life. So praising puts me into a place of faith and lightness. How do I know I'm in a place of faith? Through lightness. Lightness is my trigger to help me understand, okay, I'm ready to pray. And then I go into my prayer. And when I speak over those situations, things start to change because I'm speaking in faith, not in hope, not out of sadness, not out of madness, but out of gladness. And suddenly something begins to change. Now here's my word for everybody. It's time to dress yourself. One of the signs that my children are growing up is that they can dress themselves. In fact, we try so hard to get our kids to learn how to dress themselves. It's a sign of maturity. But when I can put on the garment of praise by myself, it's a sign that I'm growing up. When I can't put it on until the praise band starts, it's a sign that I'm still a baby. Nothing wrong with being a baby, these babies become big adults, but just know where you are. And so the more I praise God, the more grown up I become quicker. And that's why when I come to church on a Sunday morning, I should have already started my praise uh, stuff in the car, had my own little mosh pit in the front of the car there. Headbanging all the way to church. Instead of, oh, I'm going to church now, let's be very quiet like a church mouse. Shut up, kids! Or whatever. And then, oh, we just love you, Jesus. Yes, you know. If you have the praise up really loud, it doesn't matter what the kids are doing. You won't even hear them. That's the beautiful thing. It's another secret little trick for parents. Anyway, then you come to church and then suddenly they start off with this rocking song and you are already there. And what are you doing is you just put on your full garment of praise, the heaviness lifts, and suddenly the message speaks right into your heart. And that's what we're doing. We are preparing the room so that at the point of delivery of God's Word, faith has opened a big hole inside of you so we can shove as much food inside of you as you can handle. And you go away going, whoa, Gee, I grew at church today. Gee, I feel good today. Gee, I feel amazing today. That's how praise works. I know it could have been said better, but that's just the guts of it here. Right. All right. Back to Leah. 
And I want to show you something that's so profound. You think, oh, this is great, good inspiration. Rah, rah. No, this is, but let me give you some really deep Bible teaching. That's been pretty deep so far, but let's go a little bit deeper. So, turn to the person next to you and say, you look incredible this morning. Now, just a tip, every pastor does that so they can have a drink while you're doing that. So, just so you know. Uh, so, all right. This, how did this message come about? Let me talk about that, then we'll go back to Leah. How did this message come about? Very simply, I was flying back from Adelaide last time I was here, and, and the Holy Spirit just dropped this thought in my mind. And, and it kind of, let me give you the picture that it came to my mind. When I was a kid, I loved boxing. I love watching boxing. I love watching the strategy of boxing. And I love watching every Friday night uh, when we got Fox there, we would have, we'd watch the boxing. Then along came mixed martial arts, UFC. And as a person that loves sport and a person that loved boxing, some would not call that sport, but I call it sport. So they would be punching each other in the head and they actually like it. And... Uh, <laughs> then I started watching these MMA fighters and they learned not just to punch, but they knew how to grapple, know how to wrestle, know how to do jujitsu, would know how to fight off their back. And God said to me, he said, uh, and I, no, God didn't say to me this, this happened to me. I just decided, you know what? That's so weak. Boxing is so limited in comparison to a person that uses everything they have hands and knees and elbows and wrapping their legs around people and all the kind of different things that would happen in MMA. And I felt God say, most Christians are like boxers. As I was flying out of Adelaide, He said, Adelaide people are like boxers. Not just Adelaide people, most Christians. They have one skill. If you've ever seen a boxer fight someone else, the boxer, as soon as he gets on his, off his feet, is toast. And the problem is that we know one skill and God says, I actually have given you so much skill in the Bible, so many weapons, so much ability, so many tricks of the trade, so much stuff to win in life. You can win on the left and on the right, in the front and on behind. You can win when you're lying down. You can win when you're standing up. You can win when you're in the corner. You can win when you're being flattened. You can win when someone's picking you up. You can win under all circumstances if you know how to fight from your back, if you know how to defend the takedown, if you know how to do more than box, you will learn to win because it takes different tricks to win. So praise is a very underrated weapon, which is why I want to teach it to you because in all of our campuses, if we don't understand this, we're crying for God to move. God says, I've given you something that you can have a move every single day of your life. Okay, back to Leah. This time, as opposed to all the other times, I'm gonna praise God. I'm gonna deal with my heaviness in a different way. And I wanna show you how God responds to that kind of thinking. She has Judah as what son? What number? Number what? Four. Now we know when we read the Old Testament, there was a special blessing for the number one son. Right, we know that the number one son got a double portion. Number four is just an extra. Right? Not in our eyes, in God's eyes, infinite value, I know, but shut the little kid up. So the fourth born 
hasn't got anything extra and awesome, particularly where they're one of 12, not just the fourth. But God's so committed and so into His process that the moment she starts to praise, God starts to elevate her life and her son's life. All the children have got blessing, but Judah has greater blessing than all of them. How do I know? Well, Judah becomes the most powerful of all the tribes, the biggest, the most dominant. Think about this, out of praise, right? It produced wisdom, it produced power, it produced redemption, why? Because out of Judah came King David, out of Judah came King Solomon, out of Judah came King Jesus. What is Jesus known as? As the line of the tribe of Zebulon. Oh no, it's just right, it's not Zebulon. The line of the tribe of Issachar, no. He's from the line of the tribe of Judah because Judah means praise and praise has to go first because you can't get anywhere or move forward or win without praise going first. You can't welcome the day with grumbling and complaining. You need to welcome it with praise. You can't come into God's presence without praise. You can't defeat the enemies without praise. Praise is essential to all of it. And this is how incredible it is. Think about the Jews. Who's heard of the Jews, right? People out of Israel are called Jews. Who do you think they're named after? Which tribe has given the whole nation its name? Jews are named from Judah. Think about the national religion of Israel. What is it, anyone know? Judaism. Who do you think that's named after? It's named after Judah. Because whenever praise is attached to something, it grows and becomes big and dominant and powerful and influential. Wisdom comes out of it, redemption comes out of it, power comes out of it, because God's ordained that anything with the name praise will be blessed. Anything that has praise in its name will be blessed. Will be blessed, it just can't help it. It's God's divine order. Let me give you a situation. Genesis 37. I'm scrolling right down here. Genesis 37. Now, do you remember? Uh, in fact, we're not going to go to. Uh, yes, we are. Genesis 37, verse 23. It should be in the notes there. So we can put it up on the screen. There we go. Let's all read this together. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into the well. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Let's not lay our hand on him. I want you to hear this. It should have been the oldest, Reuben, that stood up against the brothers and says, we will not kill our brother. The oldest brother is supposed to be the protector. It could have been at least Simeon, the second oldest, who was bigger than everybody else. Or it could have been Levi that stood and said, let's protect the dreamer. Let's protect Joseph. But who's the one that stands in place for the dreamer? Who's the one that protects the dream? It's Judah. Why? Because when Judah's involved, Judah cannot help but stop the dream from dying, the dream from being killed, the dreamer from losing because praise protects the dream and the dreamer. You wanna know how in our lives to protect the dreams of our lives? 
Praise over those dreams. Praise over those dreams. When the devil comes in like a flood, let God create a praise uh, uh, party around that dream. And I promise you, it'll protect the dream. Oh my goodness. I don't think you can handle any more. All right. Not only does praise protect the dreamer, praise protect the dream, but praise intercedes for the family. If you thought it was prayer that intercedes, I'm here to tell you prayer and praise intercedes for your family. Prayer makes the request known to God, but praise declares that the victory's already won. That's why it's so powerful. So let's have a look because later on, remember, they have lost, they've got a famine in the land. They go down to Egypt for some grain. Joseph is waiting. Joseph's now been promoted. He's now the Prime Minister of Egypt. He's got an opportunity to get back on his brothers. They come with their desire for grain. And what does Joseph do? Joseph takes hostage Benjamin. Joseph takes hostage Benjamin. Let's read what it says. Genesis 44 verse 18, there are other verses that go before it, but then it says this. Judah went up to Joseph and said, please my Lord, let your servant speak. And he goes on and he says this, put me in host, as a hostage in place of my brother Benjamin, because otherwise the news will kill our father. Please take me as a substitute for my brother Benjamin. You can't hold him. You can't hold on to him, Joseph. I know you wanna kill us all, but you cannot hold on to him. You would think it would be Reuben that would step up as the number one son, the oldest, the biggest, the double portion receiver. You'd think it'd be Simeon that would stand up and say, come on, let our brother go. you think maybe Levi would have a bit of guts and stand there and say, Benjamin can't be taken like this. But no, who is it the one that stands and intercedes for the family? It's praise. It's Judah. You can't hold our brother. You can't hold our brother. You can't hold our brother. There are people in this place where the enemy has your brother, where the person, where your brother is being held hostage and is not able to move forward. You know what I'm saying? In their lives, in a prison, in their lives. I'm going to tell you who's going to release him. It's going to be praise. When you start to praise over your brother, praise over your mother, Praise over your father, praise over your sister, praise over your children, praise over your marriage and begin to say, God, I praise you. God, what happens is you are interceding for your family instead of complaining about them, talking about how you're going to get them out the will, whatever it might be. Start to praise. I hope as you're watching online today, God wants you to know there's some stuff in your life that God wants you to praise over because praise intercedes for the dream. Oh my goodness, when you got to church today, you've already got your money's worth. You've already got what you need to go out this week and go, boom, I know what to do when I've got heaviness. Heaviness is the sign that I'm undressed. I am naked. An American would say, naked. When you are heavy, you are naked. Not to be confused with another Australian word. Naked, we'll keep it to the English. You are naked, dress yourself. Because it's the antidote to heaviness. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness.
Put up your hand if you're receiving something from this message today. Come on. Something that's new to you about this, right? So this is no longer about three songs before we get the real stuff. When we have those songs on, you know, we're going to do it. And let me tell you what the Greek word, I said before what the Greek word, is, uh, the Hebrew word, sorry, is the yada. All right, maybe Seinfeld style, I don't know, or whoever it was. Yada. So this is what we want to do just for a second, right? Let me see where I'm at, where I'm at in, my, in my message. Before we do, let me just tell you about Leah, the unloved wife. When you start praising, you can't help but change the person that doesn't love you. You can't help it. Praising releases God to put so much pressure and also attractability into you, to the person that you wish loved you. I'm not gonna ask you to point up your hand, but I know there are people watching, people at different campuses today, whether you're at South, whether you're in the city, whether you're in the hills, whether you're in Clare Valley, whether you're in Salisbury, that's who I forgot before, Salisbury, you've got somebody that you need to praise God for, somebody in your life who maybe doesn't love you like you wish. What about if you praised for your enemies? Praise for those people that reject you. Say, God, I praise you for John. He always rejects me. I praise you for him. I praise you for Grandpa. He's always saying negative things. I praise you for him. Because when you say that, you're saying, I believe in the God of the impossible who can change the heart of that man, who can change the heart of that woman, who can change the heart of that son, who can change the heart of that daughter. You're believing in a God that can do what no man can do. And every time we try to do it man's way, we mess it up. But when we start to do it God's way, guess what? Things start to happen. We get access to the place of power and change. Woo! Everybody wants the Disney movie ending. You know, Disney, you have the highs, and then the, then the hero, it looks like they're gonna lose. Everyone cries. And at the end, you know, at every end of every Disney movie, the, the hero's gonna win against the odds. And everybody wants that kind of life. The Disney moving ending. I want to read to you the Disney movie ending for Leah. Remember Leah, the unloved wife, tricked to marry her, didn't want her. But actually we're going to praise God after the third lot of grumbling and complaining and whining and whinging and just saying how unfair life was. She decided to put into practice God's power principle called praise. It says in this, in Genesis 49, Jacob is about to, be di- about to die. Listen to what Jacob, the one who doesn't love her. Jacob instructed them, I'm about to be gathered to my people, bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite. The cave is in the field of Machpelah near Mamre in the land of Canaan. This is the field Abraham purchased from Ephron the Hittite as a burial site. There Abraham and his wife, the patriarch, Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried. There is Isaac and his wife are buried, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, are buried, and there I buried Leah. And what is he saying? When I die, would you put me next to the unloved woman? The one that was unloved, but I now love so much, I wanna be next to her. I wanna be with her. See, God can turn it all around if you'll allow God to turn it all around. 
I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.